0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 31-year Wall Street veterans who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line investment survey. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news. But our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week, we look at the December 9th, 2011 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, small and mid-cap edition. But before we get into that, a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only. It's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, this is a hobby for Mo and I. It's after hours, after work. So while during the week... Uh, we do a lot of extensive fundamental research on the companies that we're considering owning for clients. Um, we go through financials. We listen to conference calls. We talk to management. We talk to their competitors. And that's what you should do. Uh, we do none of that here on the show, so just so you know. And then third, um, I guess uh, my lawyer says I should tell you that we may not have your best interests in mind, and we may be recommending that you do the opposite of what you really should do to, benefit yourself. Uh, And then finally, um, as usual, this is my favorite caveat, I've been heavily drinking. So uh, just so you know, uh, and everything that comes with that. Right, Mo? You're Uh, not drinking, though.
1: (coughs) No, we have a designated thinker for the show, and I guess that's going to be me. Perfect.
0: So see all of our caveats, photographs, bios, um, and links to our best ideas and past shows at www. TheValueGuys.com. Okay, so December ninth, 2011. We're a little behind on the show. This is actually a couple days ago, but we're going to forge ahead. We've got three terrific value ideas this week, although one of them I'm not sure is a value, but I'm going to argue it is anyway. And uh, before we get into all that, Mo, did you have any uh, observations or... Any thoughts you'd like to share with the listeners? News on the week? I guess. I mean, you're out there doing stuff. SEC says they're going to finally crack
1: down on insider trading. Well, they should. Yep. They should. What are we going to do then? Buy Securitech. (laughs) Is that your tip for the day? Yep. They make ankle bracelets. Do they? Yep. Excellent. Thousands of them, if you will. I
0: didn't see that in the Valley line this week.
1: No, no. This is a, my, my own private, idea? from my own private uh, reserve of ideas. I see.
0: Okay. Well, that's a...
1: If they go after Congress for insider training, think of the business you could get.
0: Well, it's in the news. I think they, you know, they, they need to stop that. Those, those congressmen sometimes have inside information.
1: These ankle bracelets, they, they basically are about somewhere between ten and $11,000 each.
0: And if every, how many members of Congress are there? Like 682, something like that. So
1: say 70% of them are guilty. Well, or could be. Are.
0: But, well, let's uh, have some shadow of a doubt. So <clears throat> .7 times 682 times 11000 that's a $5 million revenue opportunity. Boom. <laughs> Okay. Do you, you have a ticker on that? or
1: No, i uh, all right. be back to you on that.
0: All right. Well, let, let's get to some of these sanctioned <laughs> Sancti- ideas. Sanctioned yeah, ideas. Sanctioned by someone who's been heavily first, drinking. Is this an idea? <clears throat> okay, the first, first up this week. Yep. James River Coal, ticker J-R-C-C. And uh, what am I attracted to on this one? Well, the value. Uh, it's... Uh, It's a coal company. They have uh, 271 million tons of proven and probable coal reserves, and I'm not sure if that has any, you know, relationship to reality, but that is what they report in their 10K, and it's sanctioned by the SEC, and they've probably had to have somebody write a report that says they have that much coal. Um, So they've got that. Uh, they've got 18 mines underground, nine surface mines, etc., and the stock is, uh, you know, down a lot. What's been happening um, is that, of course, after a bit of a recovery in '09, and uh, you know, a- after the, the crisis, um, we've got this sort of rolling fear of a double dip recession. So Europe is apt to be down. Uh, You had, I think, a couple of data points in the last couple of months of declines in some series you can measure, steel shipments or something, into China, and that gets people concerned about slow growth in China. And so this stock is down from uh, uh, 27 earlier in the year to 680. Now, in full disclosure, uh, I own this stock, and the reason I own it is that they typically have cash flow in the two three four dollar per share range and what I have as an anchor on this is coal is the uh, fuel of choice to make low-cost electricity so um, the question I have is is the world using (laughs) more electricity well actually per capita use of electricity has been going up every year since they invented electricity and so um, many nations, Western nations, have a big effort to move transportation toward electricity, et cetera. My core argument for this company and other coal companies is that uh, electricity is going to be gaining share of the total energy pie, and that coal, because it's quite a bit lower cost than uh, nuclear or wind or oil or natural gas or things like that, that um, they're going to continue to have a meaningful share of uh, energy production in the world. Now, right now, the I think the sentiment is negative on that. First, we've got these rolling recession views I've been mentioning um, in Europe and China, et cetera. But also, um, the Obama administration here has instructed the Environmental Protection Agency to really tighten the rules on emissions from coal plants, um, And based on the rules that have just been put in, I think something like 20 percent or 30 percent of the coal capacity or the electric generating capacity in the United States would have to come offline because they can't meet these hurdles in the time frame that are in the rules. And so the stocks have been reacting to that. Now, I'm not too concerned about that because I think, you know, we'd all like to have clean air and clean water, but we also like lights, And I think in China and India, they're not as concerned about the environment, uh, given that their GDP per capita is about 10% of ours. Um, They don't see the need to sacrifice when they look over here and, you know, we're not. So I'm not particularly concerned about the long-term profile of coal use to generate energy. But right now, I think there is a bit of a fear um, that coal is going to be losing share and that there's a recession coming and, Frankly, that's why I think you have an amazing opportunity to buy the stock uh, down here at 683. It's uh, 10 times earnings, and those are depressed earnings. And uh, the company has uh, a little bit of, they have debt, but they've got that halfway covered with cash. Um, their returns on capital when they, when they make money are in the teens. They've got a little bit of leverage. They do have years where they lose money, but uh, I would say that, you know, their proven reserves are a bit of an anchor to the underlying value here. And I, I don't know what 271 million tons is worth, but if you Google that up, there's probably a number on it. And my guess is it's around 10 bucks a share something like that. So this is a very long-term idea. The stock tends to trade at about 20 times earnings uh, because it's an annuity, and earnings tend to be you know, a buck or a buck fifty and that kind of thing, where cash flow is a couple bucks higher. So I'd say just own this, wait for time to go by, wait for electricity demand to rise, and I'm holding this for uh, a move to around $20 a share over the next three years. I think it's just a put-away, James River Cole, J-R-C-C. You know, um, why do you think they, they don't pay a dividend? They got
1: 540 in, in cash per share. I don't think this was that capital-intensive of a business. You've got to get the coal out of the ground. But it would be nice if they, if they paid any kind of a dividend. <clears> then <throat> this stock's been trading at $20 a share for two and a half years. Now, I wouldn't mind holding it over that period if they were using some of that cash to pay a dividend. But nonetheless, where the stock is right now, okay, we've lived through a recession in the U.S., stock was $20 a share. We lived through the financial crisis. We lived through all sorts of trauma, and the stock hung at $20 a share. So Europe is going to weaken, and the stock's off 65%. Is it that bad in Europe? Are they that exposed, or is it an overreaction? If it's an overreaction, yeah. Um, To me, this looks like this is the worst trauma this thing has gone through since the financial crisis in 2009. Well,
0: I did take a look at some coal pricing charts, which, unfortunately, I'm not able to pull up again now. I forget what, I, what button I pushed, But coal prices and future prices are down quite a bit, I think, in reaction to this emotional concern about Europe and the EPA and China, which I think right now, based on these prices, I think that the market guess for at least the James River coal market is that we are going to get a double-dip recession. I don't believe that personally. But um, even if we do, um, are we going to need some electricity during that time? I'd say yes. So the stock's going to move around. That's why I'm trying to buy it here when it's low. And if it gets into the, back into that 20 range that you're talking about. Harvest. Uh, I would be harvesting it. And wh- why they don't pay a dividend, uh, Mo, I just think it's because the earnings are so volatile. They do get into these loss periods that they just want to make sure they have enough cash around to – not run into trouble. They also, I would say, uh, they did do an acquisition. It doesn't say that here, but I know it from owning it. They did an acquisition earlier in 2011 or maybe last year, where they picked up a European um, distribution arm. And for the first time in the history of James River, again, one of the reasons we own it, coal is becoming more of an international commodity. The United States is now shipping coal into Europe because some of that Europe's been displaced into China. So all these trade routes of coal are moving around. And the United States is the Saudi Arabia of coal. So to the extent that coal remains low cost and places like China and India aren't so worried about the uh, – you know one particle per 10 million that's uh you know they're trying to eke out of the uh emissions here then i think they're going to there's going to be a good future but it will be volatile and that's why i think you got this uh uh this uh, fear right now about europe and and uh, china driving the stock down well i idea. wish <clears throat> i wish they
1: had a dividend but they sure look cheap and uh 65% decline because of a recession in europe seems like they may have overdone it um, and if you're a long-term holder, I'd tend to agree with you that
0: uh, it looks it looks attractive. Okay. Thanks, Mo. Boom. Uh, next up, in this stock, I'm not sure it's a value. You know, we're value guys, but and I got attracted to this, so maybe it is a value. But here's the situation. National Research, ticker N-R-C-I, uh, value line ranks this a 2, um, which is higher than I usually am attracted to. Um, And there is a little momentum in the stock, which, again, usually when stocks are up, I tend to go the other way. Although, you have to just look at it on the merits. And what I like about this is it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not super cheap. It's 20 times earnings. It's 11 times last year's EBITDA, 10 times this year's EBITDA. And it looks like it's about eight and a half times next year's EBITDA. The reason I'm willing to buy a little bit of the future here when I don't usually like to is that they provide performance measurement and improvement services, healthcare analytics uh, to the healthcare industry in the United States and Canada. They provide subscription-based educational services, market information, and importantly, comparative performance database to allow clients to assess their own performance, their medical performance relative to uh, the industry. Now, the reason I think this is important, and I've probably said this on the show, is I think the problem in healthcare is pretty straightforward, and that is that we do not have a demand curve. So, those of you that have had an economics class, draw a supply curve. It starts at the bottom left and it goes to the top right. And what that means is um, you got price on the left axis and quality or quantity on the on the bottom axis. And in order to get more quality on the supply curve, you've got to pay up. If you want less quality, you pay down. That's what's happening in healthcare right now. You hear everybody saying we need more money and more money for more health care, et cetera. And I say, well, what about big screen televisions? I remember that it wasn't that long ago, Mo, a big screen television was $20,000. And not too many people wanted them. Right. Now a lot of people want them. And they're $900. Now, the argument in healthcare is just the opposite of that. As we need more health care, it's going to cost more. And yet I look over in the television business, and when you get more demand, they go down. Why? It's a thing called the demand curve. The demand curve starts in the top left of your chart and goes to the bottom right. And what that means is if you want me to get, buy more of your stuff, you're going to have to lower the price, not raise the price. And so through a process I like to refer to as shopping, consumers go out, they know what they want, they look around for something that's the best quality at the best price that they can afford. So some consumers have a price they can afford, and they shop for the best quality at that price. Some consumers want a certain level of quality, and they shop for the best price for that quality. So you can do it either way. It's the consumer process of shopping, reading consumer reports, talking to people, None of which you can do in healthcare. We're all just price takers in healthcare. We don't know. We're not shopping for the doctor. We don't even know how much it costs to go to the doctor. Uh, not only that, we've got a human resources person who makes a decision for everyone at the company and then offers up five different plans. I mean, if we bought automobiles through our companies, we'd all be offered five choices of automobile. And, you know, we'd be having a crisis of uh, the cost of transportation in the country because you'd have people choosing the transportation that aren't using the transportation. Can you imagine that? If your boss at work or your human resources person chose the cars and you all could pick five of them? I mean, it's ridiculous. And in healthcare, that's what we have. So I think eventually if you want to have – Rational pricing and value in healthcare—you got to let consumers shop. You got to put data out there that they can look through to see who the best providers are. You got to have pricing data, like how much is an appendectomy?
1: Less Crickets. Than, yeah, more, 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 more than a big screen TV. I don't know. The question, I, the question though, is that that while that big screen TV can be off sourced and it can be be produced in China and it can scalable, that uh, that liver that I've been waiting for. Yeah, You're going to need one, too, if you don't put that drink down. But the liver I'm waiting
0: for, really, it's hard to outsource it, and they can only grow them so fast. Uh, Well, organ transplants are another matter, although I would note that they are going to allow pricing to come into the liver area. Market? Yeah, they're going to allow some pricing, which will provide some supply. But I'm just talking general health care. You don't have – humans can't shop for health care. I mean, how much is your doctor's visit? You don't know. How much is a a year of health care? All you know is your insurance price, and you don't know the cost of the health care behind that. So the reason I'm attracted to this company is it looks like they're trying to address this issue. They're providing information, which I think over time allows people to shop, and that would allow people to choose doctors that have the best quality or the best pricing, and that's a new wrinkle in how people choose doctors. Right now, how do you choose a doctor? (coughs) You ask someone who probably knows nothing about medical care or pricing of medical care, you know, to to help you choose a doctor is ridiculous. So um, national research is doing some stuff to help with that. And the reason I'm willing to pay up is I think this thing is in the ascension. Their sales, they're still low. They're 63 million bucks. They grow every year. They've been growing rain or shine through the recession. Their margins are rock solid around 30%. Uh, they've got net profit margins in the mid-teens. They have um, a little bit of debt. It's $15 million of debt, and uh, total share equity is $50 million, so they're well covered there. The stock is a 50% premium to the market, but the way I would look at something like this is on 2011 numbers, it's 10 times EBITDA. So I'm going to take the reverse of that, 1 over 10, and I'm going to say I have a 10% cash-on-cash cash return, by owning this company right now. That means if we got all our money together and bought this thing, we would earn 10% on our cash. And then um, to get to my 20% hurdle that I'd really like, I need growth. So total return is going to be some type of cash return plus growth. Um, and here um, the growth rate has been a bit higher than that, although right now Value Line's is forecasting 7% growth in cash flow. growth in sales. It has been higher than that. Who knows why Value Line's, you know, taken the growth rate down in the ensuing years. I don't know the answer to that. But based on their returns, there's a reasonable case to be made that they'll grow faster than that. My total return will be in that 20% range. And uh, and to boot, I get a 3% yield. So uh, I like all that. A little more than I'd like to pay, but I think you're in a solid – Area of growth in terms of feeding information that can help people make better decisions into the healthcare market. National Research ticker Mo.
1: There you well, go. Well, you know, um, one of the one of the things they also do, Val, which you didn't mention, is that they provide information to hospitals. Yes. So they their big their big um, uh, product or one of the big products is something called the ticker, and uh, they. Survey 270,000 consumers every single year, asking them what their consumer preferences are. So if they were asking you what your health care preferences are, how, how do you judge a hospital, how do you judge a doctor, what, what, what do you want in your health care services, they provide that to hospitals so hospitals can better market to you. So you look at that and say, well, longer term, how long is that going to be a viable business? Forever. Forever, for as, for as long as people are going to be going to hospitals and as long as hospitals are going to want to be uh, competitive. Now, this is a stock that was $20 at the beginning of the year. It's taken off to 38 And we talked in one of the earlier shows about correlation, that the, the markets are heavily correlated. Well, Europe's going into a recession. We've seen the market back off. This stock's backed off 16% since its high. And really, Are they tied to a recession in Europe?
0: No. It doesn't
1: seem so. Right. So there's a classic example of correlation resulting in baby being thrown out with the bathwater. And maybe this has been, again, a bit of an exaggeration. With James River, yeah, they do export coal. Yeah, maybe it's going to impact them. Yeah, you're seeing the coal prices come down. But this, as far as I can see, has no international exposure. The stock's backed off because the market's backed off. So here's an opportunity well, to Well, earnings out.
0: continue to grow. You see right. the little quarterly. Right.
1: There's no, there's no fundamental reason. So, yeah, I think it's a case of uh, the baby's out with the bathwater.
0: And um, so I like that. Okay. Well, good. So national research, we both like that. How about yep. that? All right. Finally, this week, and we did some very special research on this last name. This is Sunoco Logistics, ticker S-X-L, Sam. X-Ray, uh, what would LB? Larry. Larry, Sam X-Ray Larry. And, uh, and it's, a, uh, it's an LP, and we've talked a lot about LPs the last few weeks. For, uh, for you folks that need yield, um, you know, this is one of the bastions of yield. You're not getting it at the bank or in the bond market anymore. And, uh, and so uh, looking at higher yielding, Common equities, I think, is uh, really one of the last places to look for yield. And the nice thing about these energy LPs is that, you know, they've got some big asset that's just bleeding off. And in this case, um, they have a pipeline and they uh, move natural gas through it and and crude oil, I guess, really more than natural gas, it says here. And so they've got about 2,500 miles of refined products pipelines, which are little monopolies, and they're going to get their toll. And you can see their margins here are just solid as hell. They're low, but they're solid. And so for 2010, for example, $7.8 billion in sales, 4.7% operating margin. Now, the way I think about that is, you know, the gasoline that rolls through there Let's just think about it. They don't really ever own it. It's someone else's, and it's being bought by a utility. But they take ownership of it because it's running through their pipe, and they get a 4.7% yield. The way I would tend to think about it is that they don't own that stuff. They get $390 million for putting that stuff through, and their operating margin on that is 90%. The reason they don't report that is because then their operating margin would look too high. So instead, they take all of their cut as a percentage of the value of the fuel rolling through there, when really has nothing to do with with them other than they're transporting it. But they don't don't own it. They don't own the land. They don't drill it. They don't, you know, put it in the homes. The utilities do that. And they're just conveying this stuff from one place to another. Um, And then they have a terminals facility which I'm sure is very helpful to all the trucks and things that have to roll up and get, get oil and gas and things like that. Um, but what I like about this thing is they've got consistently high returns on capital in the teens, and they've reached some scale in the last four years. A couple of years before that, they were in the high single digits. Now they're in the teens. And their returns on equity are in the 20s, and they've moved into the 30s. And, again, during this period uh, of this recession – Again, to my point a minute ago, um, well, wait a minute. They did have, they did have kind of a down year right here. It almost looks like they must have sold something.
1: Yeah, nobody has a down year that. Yeah, they probably <laughs> carved that, off. Yeah.
0: Because uh, they didn't lose money, so in 2009, half their revenues went away, and it looks like they probably sold something. Uh, let's see. See any money rolling in? I see their equity rolling up by a couple hundred million dollars, so they probably uh, sold something and uh, and it rolled through just the equity um, account here on the value line. So you'd have to check that out. But right now, uh, you know, you are you're yearn- earning a 4.7 percent yield. It's trading right at a market multiple at 15. They've got a fair amount of debt. That's the little bit of hair on it. And it's uh, it's about five times EBITDA, but which is higher than I normally would like to be involved in. But it's the stability of the toll gate that gives you confidence in that. And it's the stability and the need for these fuels that are apt to not be obsolesced. And, of course, the pipelines are not – it's hard to build a pipeline anywhere nowadays, as you probably know by reading the newspaper. No one wants a pipeline. So if you have a pipeline, it's pretty valuable. Um, and I want to just say hello to my friend – uh, uh, Mr. G, for helping us out with uh, some questions on this with regard to the accounting, because uh, we thought it might be a little difficult. And I'll let Mo get into that. But any case, uh, Sonoco Logistics ticker SXL, yield and consistency of uh, the sustainability of that yield. That's yeah, and I mean. uh, just
1: a just a heads up, they just did a, a three for one stock split. So if you you pull it up on your screen and it's a thirty four dollar stock and value lines got a priced at 105 that's why i get a kick out of that because i always laugh when i see a uh, a, a stock pop on the notion that uh they're gonna split the stock and therefore it becomes instantly cheaper <laughs> Right, you gotta love that but i'll tell you if uh if you're looking at this stock go to yahoo finance go pull up a five-year chart on this and it's amazing this stock was $12 in october of 2008 and uh, it was 27 in august and it is a straight line upward you'll sleep well at night when you look at this chart so uh, their their stable recurring revenues is is reflected in a stable stock price that just keeps chunking upwards now what we learned from our from our uh, mlp guy that we talked to earlier is when you buy a stock like this, you take the dividend and you subtract it from your purchase price, and that becomes your new basis of the stock. And so uh, when you do ultimately sell it, you're going to have a capital gain. So there's a, some tax deferment on that, uh, on that dividend because it's considered a return of capital. Um, you can't put a lot of these in your IRA, and they can be a pain in the neck because apparently the, um, the Ks that you get – are sometimes uh, mailed to you as late as uh, the summertime.
0: Yeah, you probably have to file an extension on your personal return if you own many of these.
1: But for, um, for 4.7% yield, for that kind of a recurring revenue, um, you basically you're buying a monopoly business with a, with a near 5% yield on it. Um, but, boy, I tell you what, go take a look at this long-term chart. It is a, it's beautiful. I'm going to have a wallet-sized pictures made so I can just carry really? carry this around with me and look at it on the train.
0: You know, I like having a chart of the uh consistent margin. That's my favorite chart. Well, that's not, that's not that one.
1: that's why I'm mo and yeah. you're val.
0: That's right. Exactly. Our names kind of match our interests. There you that's,
1: go. There you go. Thank you, mom. <laughs> there you that's go. No,
0: not... <laughs> so, uh anything else or what? No, I think I I'm What's your what's your top name? Oh, top name. So, uh Let's see here. Well, I think it should be one of the ones we did, so I'm not going to do that one. Um, don't look at see. my Don't look okay, at my page. Not, what is, I forget we did we did uh, Sunoco.
1: Yeah. And we did National, National
0: Research, and then we did James River. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to go with James River. I own it. Woo. It it looks it looks like a sick puppy, but I'll tell you, coal. Coal mining. That's where it's at.
1: Gas. Gas is where you got to be. Gasoline pipelines. You get the yield.
0: You yeah. get
1: the stability.
0: Yeah. But you get no capital appreciation.
1: That is true. That is true. Well, we'll see. I'm, I'm keeping a list of all these. So is everyone else. The world is watching.
0: We've got some people actually doing that. Yeah. So if you are keeping track of this, send me a note. Val at thevalueguys.com. Um, or post it to uh, – we have a Facebook page, or I have one now. I guess Mo should get one, but I, at Val Hughes has a Facebook page. And from there, I guess I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter now, and we I tweet when I do a show. There's no big deal. It just gives you a little advance on when the show's coming. But I guess that's all we have uh, for this week. You had Sunoco as a favorite. I've got James River, so, you know, Phil likes to know the and may the And may
1: the best stock win.
0: And where, when are we going to check that? Is it uh, a year from now or six months from now? A year from okay, now. Okay, one year from now. Exactly. All right. Done. Well, thanks for listening in, everybody. Uh, you've managed to blow another 30 minutes listening to The Value Guys. See all of our caveats, uh, menus to our shows, pictures our moms took at www.thevalueguys.com. So long, everybody. Good night.